My friends, it has finally started the civil war. No, 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 not not that one. Not like a real civil war. No, a civil war in the Democratic Party. Okay, to be fair, they've kind of been in some kind of civil war for quite some time. But this is a figurative civil war, meaning the Democrats are facing a reckoning with their woke insanity and how it is driving voters to the Republican Party. So right now I have this tweet. Steve Guest, GOP Rapid Response Director, saying 11 GOP House seat flips. No blue wave. That's right. And Democrats recently had a phone call wondering what happened, where one woman actually broke down crying. And another said, if we don't stop talking about this defund the police woke nonsense, we're going to effing lose the House in 2022. Now, 538 certainly says the same thing. That's right. Infamous, notorious pollsters, uh, forecasters, sorry, that's the correct uh, way to describe them. 538 says Republicans are on track to take back the House in 2022. What we just saw in this election was a complete smackdown of the absurdity and the fractured party that is the Democrats. MSNBC host Joe Scarborough said they, the American people do not like the Democrats. And well, he essentially said their brand doesn't work. And he's right. It's becoming increasingly difficult to understand what they even really want. I mean, you've got AOC saying defund the police. And then you got Manchin saying defund my butt. No joke. Literally, he said that. And I think it's kind of obvious. New York and West Virginia, I mean, they kind of clash. You know, they don't they don't live the exact same ways. And AOC is a politician for the Internet, much like Donald Trump is kind of a politician for the Internet. But AOC doesn't represent most of what this country wants. And that's why she can win in her district. But the Democrats are facing a ridiculous and resounding defeat. They're getting absolutely roasted across the board. Bill Maher, in a segment just the other night, went to town going after all that was woke. Now, look, I like Bill Maher. I think he's I appreciate that he's coming after the insanity, the wokeness. But Sorry, Bill. Joe Biden wants to bring back critical race theory into the government. So if you're if you think it's bad what Democrats are doing now, why would you support Joe Biden? Okay, I guess you don't like Donald Trump and you had no other choice. And Joe Jorgensen for the Libertarian Party also put out that statement about, you know, being anti-racist or whatever, which is very much in line with the wokeness of the Democratic Party. This political ideology is the ideology of Twitter. Regular working class people don't like it. Regular working class people, surprise, surprise, like what, like what the Republicans are offering. And they do like Donald Trump's policies. But I tell you, man, most of the time when I talk to my friends who voted against Trump, they didn't really vote for Biden. They just didn't like Trump. They said it was because of the way he speaks. That's true. Most people, many, I shouldn't say most, but many of these people voting for the Democrats, low information voters. They just don't like Trump. And so they support the warmonger corporate coastal elite Joe Biden who's going to bring back all of the trash that they vote against down ticket. But I tell you, the Democrats are facing a reckoning. They're starting to wake up to what's going on and they realize they are dealing with a civil war. Alyssa Slotkin braces for a democratic civil war, says Politico. Victorious but chastened. The moderate from Michigan thinks her party has something to learn from. Yes, Donald Trump. They do. Please, I have been begging forever. Bring us a politician who talks about the policies that Trump is offering up and does it with I don't know, a smile and a better demeanor. 
and you will see a landslide victory. Of course, Trump supporters want Trump to win for a variety of reasons. And I absolutely respect that because policy, in my opinion, is more important than character. But I do think character is important. That's why I'm like, give us the best of both worlds. Unlikely to happen. With Joe Biden taking the reins again, the establishment is back in control. Expect more war, expect more big bank pandering, and expect major multinational corporations to get their foot back in the door. And now we're going to see policy slowly erode the working class in this country. And eventually, well, it may result in something really bad for most of us, a devastating economy, bad health care, et cetera, et cetera. But 538 says Republicans are tracking to take back the House in 2022. And it also has a lot to do with how the Republicans have won state leadership. We'll see how things play out as, as, as it moves forward. Maybe this will be exactly what needs to happen to save this country. Or perhaps the Democrats will finally wake up, change the policies, and learn from the Republicans. At least they better. Otherwise, they're going to lose. Let's take a look at what they're saying. Not that I, you know, weigh 538's forecasting with any kind of merit at this point. But before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There are many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do, share this video. Well, I'm sure Republicans want to share it because it proves them right. The Democrats were crushed. No blue wave. Sure. As it stands right now, though, we are still in the middle of an election. Trump is suing. Joe Biden got a massive amount of votes. And as of the final results called by the news outlets, it's 306 to 232 with Joe Biden leading. They lost everything else. Now, there's going to be a big battle in Georgia because these runoff races are going to determine control of the Senate. And that would be freaky. We don't want the Democrats to control everything. We want some kind of checks and balances. Now, the only reason I would say in the past that we want Republicans to take everything is because Republicans were actually pushing back on the, on, on the insanity that is the Democratic Party. But maybe this Georgia election will be the wake up call they need. Oh, I'm sorry, maybe this election was the wake up call. Democrats need to learn this, especially if they're going to stand a chance in Georgia and fix whatever nonsense their party is bringing about. So share this with them. It'll probably help them out. But I tell you, I am not convinced. I think if the Democrats end up winning the Senate, they're not going to learn anything. They're just going to say, well, you know what? We got the power. We're going to use it. And they're going to steamroll through insane policies. And if they do, Expect 2024 to be an electoral landslide on the right. I mean, they're saying Republicans are on track to take back the House in 2022 because the Democrats are losing the House. They're losing ground. If they don't change course, 2024 is going to be Republican, Republican, Republican across the board. Then not only will they control all three branches of uh, not, not only will they control the House, the Senate and the executive branch, but they'll have the Supreme Court on their side as well. 538 says 2020 was not supposed to be a good year for House Republicans. The polls pointed to a Democratic leaning electoral environment. Democratic candidates were outraising Republicans in most competitive seats, and the GOP had to defend a host of open seats that 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 Republican incumbents had abandoned. Yet contrary to expectations, including their own, Republicans managed to gain seats even as the Democrats held on their held on to their majority. Votes are still being counted. But based on contests projected by ABC News, Republicans have netted six seats so far, and they may still flip a few more. Now, rapid response director for the GOP says 11 seats. I've heard some say 12, but, you know, from the GOP, 11. They say top line numbers about seats gained and lost can only tell us so much. Let's look at some of the major takeaways from the 2020 House elections. Republicans performed, outperformed expectations. GOP women made big gains and 
GOP women have flipped several Democratic seats. I'll tell you, millennial women tend to be Democrats. I think it's like 68% of millennial women are Democrats. And there are weird social pressures going on with all of this social media, social justice stuff. Perhaps with GOP women running, it gave many of these suburban women an excuse. They said, look, we don't want the woke insanity, but here we have some social justice, right? It's an excuse. In reality, I think probably got a lot of suburban women who are just like, I don't want the woke nonsense. I want someone who represents me. And guess what? I'm willing to bet a Republican woman represents many of these suburban women more than the woke nonsense. They're going to say it's not all bad news for Democrats. While it was unquestionably a good night for Republicans, Democrats still held on to most of the seats they won in 2018. So sure, sure, it's not all bad news. They barely scraped by their majority. So that is good. Sure. But all in all, it was brutal. And Bill Maher is going to tell us why. Bill Maher says the Democrats hypersensitive woke BS pushed many voters to the Republicans and tears into the party for writing off half the country as irredeemable. Yes. Thank you, Bill. I still think you have Trump derangement syndrome. And, you know, because of that, you're blinded to what's going on. Also, I think Bill is very low information, but at least he's calling this stuff out. I remember uh, deplorable. That was Hillary Clinton. Ugly chumps. That was Joe Biden. That's not the kind of uh, uh, rhetoric we want. If I want that kind of rhetoric, why I'll turn to Donald Trump when he calls Rosie O'Donnell a fat pig. I don't want either. I don't want any of that. But I'll tell you what, if you're going to call people ugly chumps, Joe, why wouldn't I just say fine Trump, I guess, if I was voting on character. Now, for me, I'm more concerned with foreign policy. And we learned just the other day that U.S. officials were lying to Donald Trump to keep more soldiers, more U.S. troops on the ground in the Middle East. Talk about a disgusting and corrupt environment. This, this, this government, I tell you what, there's no will of the people. They just do what they want. But while that's bad, putting Joe Biden in is substantially worse. But people really do vote on character. So that's unfortunate. I got to tell you. Well, let's take, let's talk about character. What happens when you have Donald Trump, who is a loudmouth, braggart, boisterous, you know, guy? Calls Rosie O'Donnell, you know, a fat pig called uh, uh, that one woman, Stormy Daniels, Stormy Daniels, I think he called her a horse face. Well, people say, I don't like that. I, I just want to be I just want to mind my own business, be left alone, stop the conflict. But then you get the woke left canceling everybody and like, I don't like that either. Well, Bill Maher's calling him out. They say, quote, Democrats were supposed to flip the Senate and didn't supposed to flip state legislatures, not a one. And they lost seat in the seats in the House. In a year that was so much about making people aware of racism, their share of minority voters went down. The message to Democrats from so much of the country seems to be, we don't like Trump, but we still can't bring ourselves to vote for you. Yeah, you could put it that way, Bill. Or you can, you can say that for many of the people, they said, we don't like Trump and we don't like you. There you go. They voted for Republicans. You know, I don't know what's going to end up happening with, with, with Trump and the, the, the lawsuits and the claims of fraud and all this stuff. We'll see how it plays out. Alan Dershowitz, Clinton supporter, famous lawyer, said Trump's going to win his PA lawsuit, but it might not be enough. Trump's got to flip a bunch of these states. Now, all these Trump supporters are coming out all mad at me because they're saying fraud. Listen, I ask you, what do you think you will accomplish? I'm not saying don't try. And I'm absolutely saying it should all be investigated. But what I'm looking at in terms of what's happening is paths to victory, probabilities. 
it seems like Joe Biden is on track and he's got an extremely high likelihood of succeeding. Trump is playing uh, extreme underdog at this point. I'm not stupid enough to count Trump out like most of these leftists are gloating and laughing about Trump losing these lawsuits. Trump might pull off one or two of these lawsuits, which could have a sweeping effect on the rest of the election. And then who knows what's going to happen? I am not stupid enough to uh, to count out Donald Trump. They made that mistake in 2016. I'm not making it now. They're going to come back and say, Tim actually thought Donald Trump could have won because he can. Maybe he won't, but you would be nuts to think otherwise. But I digress. Regular people in this country like the Republican Party. The Republicans registered hundreds of thousands of new voters in all of these different states. That means we need the policies of Donald Trump, but we need the character of not Donald Trump, I guess. You know, diehard Trump supporters really love the way Trump talks. But there is an equal look. When I talk to my friends, they tell me straight up, this is anecdotal, I know. But I was talking to a friend of mine who said she would probably be on Donald Trump's side, but she cannot stand him when he speaks. She cannot stand the things he says and the things he's, he has said and the way he treats people when he's talking about politics. But she would have been on his side. You, you know, look, Trump supporters can ignore this. I've been saying it for years and maybe it's wrong. Fine. They, they, they think, you know, Trump won in the landslide, but it was stolen from him. Look, I've seen the statistical anomalies. I think these all of these need to be, uh, you know, looked into. And we're doing the full hand recount in Georgia. So we will see how things play out. And I will absolutely, if, if, it, if that turns out to be the final tally, I'll say it straight up. Then I'm wrong here. People really do like Donald Trump. But I'll tell you, if you want that landslide, if you really want to win, you got to have a better, uh, better character. Too many people vote for a celebrity. That's why Barack Obama did so well. But they say Bill Maher, a liberal who has previously spoken out against political correctness, argued that Democrats needed to reevaluate their emphasis on woke culture stances and issue an urgent warning to the party ahead of the January Senate runoff in Georgia. He's absolutely right. If the Democrats learn from their mistake, they could actually win Georgia. They've got the they've got the ground game, not perfectly because too many of them are scared of covid, but they've been doing Stacey Abrams as much as many people don't like her on the right. She's been registering voters like crazy. Now, that ground game is good. They're going to register a lot more voters, get a lot more people active. But if they don't course correct on the wokeness, it won't matter. And Stacey Abrams is apparently it was either, it was either her or Rashida Tlaib saying, I think it was Tlaib, that identity politics is what they're all about. OK, keep doing that and see how well you fare in 2022. Quote, if Cracker Jack was made of popcorn and dog s and half the people threw out the popcorn, popcorn should want to know why. Yeah, Bill, but maybe that's not the case. Maybe the Democrats are the dog s and, and maybe that's what they're throwing out. Don't you get it? The Democrats lost. They're not throwing the popcorn out. They're throwing out the crap. The Democrats, the Democrats, that's what people like to say. Clearly, the popcorn is what people wanted. So instead of looking at what you're eating and thinking this must be popcorn, how about you stop and consider that maybe they're throwing out the refuse and you're eating it? Either liberals can either write off half the country as irredeemable or they can ask, what is a what is it about a D next to a candidate's name that makes it so toxic? Marr pointed to Democratic Rep. Ruben Gallego of Arizona, who urged the party not to discourage Latino voters by using the term Latinx, something Marr says is used by pandering white politicians who mistake Twitter for real people. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, good sir. You know, it's funny. Bill Maher is so close to getting it right. He is. 
The comedian also commended reps Abigail Spanberger and Jim Clyburn, who blasted the defund the police slogan as a turnoff to voters. Ah, yes. And uh, what did we hear from Joe Manchin slamming fellow Democrats crazy socialist agenda amid intra party battle defund my butt. Senate Senator Joe Manchin on Wednesday slammed efforts by progressive members of his party to slash the police department budgets, saying the Democratic Party, as he conceives of it, does not have some crazy socialist agenda. Defund the police? Defund my butt. I'm a proud West Virginia Democrat. We are the party of working men and women. We want to protect Americans' jobs and health care. We do not have some crazy socialist agenda. We do not believe in defunding the police, Manchin wrote in a tweet Wednesday evening. Rep AOC, a New York progressive, who has voiced support for cutting police budgets, responded to Manchin by tweeting a photo of herself during the State of the Union address in February, offering what appears to be a glare in Manchin's direction. I love it. By all means, by all means, AOC, sabotage your own party. You lost seats. And what does she say? In all of the swing districts where the Democrats lost, they were running on a moderate agenda. The progressives won. Some of these districts, it can be easily explained. Max Rose, for instance, I believe he lost. It was called for he lost. He's in Staten Island. The people of Staten Island like Trump, but they didn't want the culture war nonsense. So they voted him out. You also have Colin Peterson. He was a conservative Democrat, I believe the last one in Minnesota. He got voted out because people said we actually like the Republican platform. The reality is, while there are many swing districts that supported Medicare for all and some progressive policies, and I'm sure it did play a role in helping them win. The party as a whole has become toxic garbage. Again, to Bill Maher's point, you think they're throwing the dog crap out? You're eating that. They're eating the popcorn. But look at this photo. Joe Manchin is clapping and smiling, and she's offering up a glare in his direction. I do not believe she's actually looking at him because it's the back of his head. She probably didn't even know who it was. She was probably looking more so toward the camera. However, the photo does exemplify probably the big problem of the Democratic Party, especially in this country. A New York elitist progressive, massive celebrity following. (laughs) I went to university. I know what the peasants need. And Joe Manchin. West Virginia Democrat. Now, okay, let me let me be real. I don't know what their net worth of either of them is. Ocasio-Cortez is probably not particularly wealthy. Joe Manchin's probably worth a lot more than she is. But it's the New York ivory tower elite casting down their nose upon the lowly West Virginians. That's exactly the problem with these Democrats, and they just don't get it. Maybe if you listen to Bernie Sanders once or twice, Bernie Sanders says Democratic Party has become a party of coastal elites. Thank you, Bernie. Now, how about you call out the millionaires again? Because as most of you know, Bernie stopped calling out the millionaires once he became one. That's the favorite, my favorite thing about Bernie. The millionaires and the billionaires in this country. Oh, wait, what's that? My bank statement just came in. Oh, uh, just the billionaires. Uh, forget what I just said. And then he crumples it up and throws it away. No, but look, to be fair, Bernie Sanders is correct. The Democratic Party has become the party of the managerial elite. They no longer represent the Republicans, and the Republicans are extremely distrustful of the media and the establishment elites. And it's only going to get worse. And maybe it won't change. So long as Twitter incentivizes and and Facebook and and YouTube even incentivizes these people to make this kind of content, they're going to keep doing it. And they're going to keep building up their Internet political party that doesn't represent this country. 
and regular working people will flee full speed to the Republicans. That's why I think Republicans are on track for 2022 taking the House back and 2024 full Republican sweep. Mind you, four years is a long time. Okay, maybe not that long, but long enough. This year felt like 10. This month felt like a year. The election certainly feels like it won't stop. And we still got another month or so of election before we actually know what's going to happen. But in four years, a lot can change. Maybe the Democrats will finally learn their lesson. I don't think so, though. I think Bill Maher is actually on the way out. He could come out all day and say these things. But he, they almost canceled him recently, like I think last year, when he said some offensive phrase. They're going to come for him. They want him to go away. And the reality is that Bill Maher's audience is actually not particularly big. OK, to, it is big. It is. He gets a lot of viewership. But you look at MSNBC, they do way bigger. OK, and you look at some of these other shows. Bill Maher is no is, is not the biggest political comedy show. It is still one of the best, to be completely honest. I think they do. They need to do a better job of who they choose as guests. But more to the point, I'm not here to critique the show. I'm here to talk about the last bastion of like moderate liberalism, liberalism, the actual core ideology. It's great. Conservatives and liberals uh, in the colloquial sense agree on classical liberalism in some degree and even some social li- liberalism to some degree. But as the Internet slowly begins to incentivize people like AOC, that starts to go away. And then you'll see actual liberals, traditional liberals and people like me voting for Donald Trump. I'm not going to vote for these people. They're insane. Ben Shapiro said it best. The Democrats have gone effing nuts. Even Bill Maher is now roasting them for it. But Bill, do you think they're going to change? Let's count down the days until Bill Maher becomes a Republican. I know you're going to say that's not possible. And maybe it's not because his whole identity is wrapped up in being this, you know, liberal elite. But the Republican Party is not the party of religion anymore. They have religious uh, Catholic conservatives and Christian conservatives and many religious people. I know them. They're good people. We have good, good conversations and we have disagreements. But we fundamentally agree on so much more than we disagree on. I'm, I'm surprised Bill Maher hasn't already said I voted for Biden Republican down ticket. Can you imagine Bill Maher voting for the woke people he's criticizing? How much you want to bet he actually did vote Republican down ticket? But that would represent exactly the issue. The policies of the Republican Party are good. But Donald Trump just wasn't what people wanted. So that can change. I don't think they're going to change, though. I think in the end, we will see Bill Maher either give up or eventually just find himself as a Republican because the left have already called him alt-right. And so long as people don't trust the media and the fracture keeps happening, then I don't see a period where the Democrats can recover. I don't see a path for them to recover. And I'll put it this way. These news outlets, they go orange man bad like crazy because they don't want to lose viewers. I got a bunch of people, you know, uh, the uh, uh, shout out to the Donald dot win because they're posting photos, making fun of me, saying we know you lurk here and uh, touche good sirs. I do. But they're mad at me because I guess I'm not screaming about the fraud or whatever. Fine. There's going to come a point where I've said it a million times. Trump supporters who've praised me in the past will start to criticize me and get mad at me. The same thing happened with the left. I'm going to tell you what's going on to the best of my ability, and it may result in the left hating me, but then liking me and the right liking me, but then hating me. And these things happen. Will Bill Maher actually do that? 
Will the Democrats do that? No, it's about power. For me, I'm a guy complaining about his feelings on the internet. And if it means some people aren't going to like me and they're going to change their opinion on me because I'm not supporting their tribe anymore, well, then you know what? I don't know what else to tell you, man, because I am more than ready to just go fishing. Just take the van down by the river and chill out, have a good time or start a vlog channel. I'm just talking about what I think is important. And I got a lot to say. Maybe it's not always a good thing. Maybe or I should say maybe what I'm saying isn't always the smartest thing. The Democratic Party needs to make sure that as they espouse their message, they constantly gain more followers than they lose. That's the name of the game. And that means they're not going to walk away from this stuff. Now, they've, maybe they'll realize they've lost a ton of support and they went in the wrong direction. But they're probably thinking to themselves, AOC's got 10 million followers. The only problem, it's an illusion. They've fallen for the trap. Maybe they'll wake up. It's about market cap. If you go far left, you will rapidly gain a ton of followers and then stop. If you just tell it like it is and be reasonable and honest with people, the sky's the limit. If you join either tribe, you're limited by the size of the tribe. If you just try and be honest and reasonable, you know, apologize when you make mistakes, be self-critical, accept fault for your actions and try and be and engage in good faith arguments. You'll find that you'll get a little bit of left and a little bit of the right. And it's way more it's way bigger in this space, way more comfortable, but it's the right place to be in. It's like the Democratic Party has become the grifter party. Instead of being honest with their constituents, they just tell them what they want to hear. Trump is losing everybody. He's going to lose. He can't possibly win. High five. Joe Biden, president elect. Sure, I think it's probable that's the case. But to discount Donald Trump when even Alan Dershowitz won't do it. That's insane. It's absolutely nuts. But they're saying it because they want them all to laugh and cheer. And what do you think is going to happen if Trump flips it? What do you think is going to happen if Trump actually pulls off the Electoral College victory? We'll see, man. A lot of I've been seeing all these rumors and stuff from Trump supporters, seized servers, and the FBI's got plans and stuff. And I'm like, dude, when it happens, it happens. And I'll give you my thoughts on it and report on it. But until then, we're just we're chilling through the, through the legal process. You need to be honest with people. Unfortunately, there are a lot of tribalists that don't want that. They expect me to lie. Listen. I could be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. And that's about all I can do. Try my best. And I'll tell you this. I think most people in this country are good people. I think most people in this country who are Democrats are as well. And they're confronted with a media that lies to them all the time. We need to change that. But you don't change it by just being adversarial, I suppose. Bill Maher, certainly adversarial to the woke. Sure marginalizing the fringe faction of weird woke people who say the word words like Latinx and Wimixen, I get the Democrats need to wake up to the fact that they are in the corner and they're lucky that Joe Biden won because MSNBC says this is a one off. Bill Maher now says the same thing. Wake up, Democrats. I look, I'm at a point where I probably will never vote for a Democrat again. I kid you not. I mean, we'll see. Maybe the party is has, you know, damaged itself beyond recognition. That's what MSNBC said. Their brand is, is trash. But I worry if I vote for a Democrat, they're just going, it's going to empower the rest of the party. If I vote for a Democrat in Congress, they're going to say whatever Nancy Pelosi wants, and they're going to flush all of our time and energy down the toilet. So no, I'd rather have the Republicans come in and do their thing because at least they'll do, you know, some stuff, I guess. At least it won't be woke, at the very least. My bigger, my biggest fear is that the Democrats get into office 
you vote for a moderate, someone like a Max Rose, and he promises to not engage in these stupid culture war games, and he impeaches Donald Trump. What a stupid waste of all of our time. And that's why they got rid of him. And that's that, that should be a warning to the rest of these Democrats. Let's see a real wake-up call. They probably won't do it, but here's hoping, I guess. Not that it matters. Like I said, I'm probably not going to vote for them ever again, so... We'll see. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. It is a different channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Donald Trump is doing everything in his power to not lose this election. He's going through every legal process and firing off what appears to be just a spray of lawsuits. Now, from this, Trump has lost many of these lawsuits. And it's not just Trump. It's Republicans and voters, individuals who are filing suits, also challenging the results in several states. And one of the most important is Pennsylvania. Because so many people are filing these suits and there are many defeats, the left is going around gloating and cheering. (laughs) We've won. Trump, such a fool, is losing. Well, the partisans will tell you one of two things. On the left, they'll say Donald Trump is flailing and he's a loser and it's over. And many people on the right are saying things like, Trump has uh, has won this in a landslide. It was stolen from him. And all of Trump supporters are saying this. Perhaps, perhaps not. I think what really matters is can Trump win? I'm not going to sit here and, and, and speculate like with Russiagate when they were screaming and yelling at Trump. I said, show me the evidence, prove it and let's move on. And I feel the same way with Donald Trump and these uh, legal challenges. I will wait. If Donald Trump wins, we will see what happens. But you can you can sit here and say all of these things about how Donald Trump really did win. And I hear you. You can talk about all of this fraud. You can talk about these legal challenges, these affidavits. I've seen it. I've heard it. It's creepy stuff. It's scary. I've seen the stuff about the mathematical anomalies and the statistical anomalies, the weirdness around the bellwether towns and counties just mostly being wrong this time around. I've seen all of it. Will it win in court? And will Trump have the ability with all of this stuff, you, with you seeing it, will he be able to win? I don't know. I don't. And I, I, a lot of people expect me to just come on and say, yes, he will prevail. I'm not, I'm, I'm not the kind of person and never will be. And so I've said it time and time again. The partisans will always flip flop back and forth on me and my positions because sometimes what I say benefits them. And sometimes what I say benefits others. So, of course, during Occupy Wall Street, the left is like, oh, we're so happy that Tim is covering the stuff. And these lefties loved me. And then when the fake news started lying about Donald Trump and lying about him more than any other president ever, then all the Trump supporters. Wow. You know, we love what Tim is saying. And now that we're coming to a point where it's looking bad for Donald Trump, they're saying things like, oh, Tim, Tim was working for the deep state or other nonsense. But for the most part, I know, look, most people who watch probably you guys. Probably, we probably don't agree on policy or whatever, but I think, you know, we're mostly moderate. And that's that's actually a fact, right? We, we, we ran a poll a while ago, and it's mostly like moderate individuals just trying to figure out what's going on because the media is lying to us. So let me tell you this. They're still lying about Trump. The people in the media who are telling these stories and talking about what is going on with these lawsuits are telling you he can't win. Now, it's looking very unlikely. And every day Trump does lose lawsuits. But they use that to claim it's over. It is not. The other day, Trump gave a speech talking about Operation Warp Speed. And he said something to the effect of, you know, whoever will be in in charge uh, in the next, you know, in in the next month or whatever. And now everyone's saying, oh, Trump's getting ready to concede. Perhaps, perhaps not. 
The left wants me to say Trump lost. Trump can't win. It's over. Why won't Trump just give up? I'm not going to do that. Trump should exhaust every legal path he has. And like I said, many people on the right want me to be like, Trump will win. He was cheated. It was stolen. There's going to be a big rally today called uh, the Million MAGA March. Stop the steal. And people are in D.C. and it's supposed to be pretty big. We'll see. We'll see how things turn out and we'll see um, what happens. But let me let me let me let me break down the re- the rational reality of the situation. And I show you Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz, I believe, was, was famous, so famously supporting Hillary Clinton. And he said he believes President Trump will prevail in Pennsylvania lawsuit. OK, is that enough for Donald Trump to actually win and, and reverse course on where we're headed right now with the Joe Biden administration? It seems unlikely. Donald Trump, as I've stated many times, is going to need a triple Hail Mary. He's got to throw three Hail Marys in quick succession and land all of them. But Alan Dershowitz writes an op-ed last week, which is really interesting. Can President Trump win, win his election challenges in court? And he straight up says, very similarly to what I'm saying, and I think it's interesting considering he's the famous law professor. Yes, he can. Is it likely? Probably not, but we will see. Well, this, this op-ed he wrote was on the 9th, and I believe this was the, uh, uh, he wrote this probably before Trump filed a very important legal challenge, which is still active right now and may make it to the Supreme Court. They might actually side with him. And if they do, it would flip Pennsylvania, but it would be insane. Doesn't mean it's not possible. It's entirely possible. Insane things happen. I mean, what year is it? Everyone's saying, oh, 2020 is so crazy. When do the aliens come next? They say. If you if you're joking about how aliens might come in 2020, then please sit back and wait as Donald Trump files a serious legal challenge, which is still active among many others, which may be on its way to the Supreme Court. We will see. And it'll take time. Others, many people on the left who are actively paying attention, realize Trump doesn't even need to win the lawsuits. If he jams up the certification process, he could win on a contingent election. But let me show you about what's going on with this current lawsuit and why Alan Dershowitz says he believes Trump will prevail. This is important. uh, This is from lawofficer.com. Now, I'm not super familiar with this site, but he was speaking with uh, Breitbart News tonight. It's you can listen to the audio. So I assume it's it's legit. Attorney Alan Dershowitz, the rare Democrat who defended Trump during the Senate Senate impeachment trial, predicts the president will prevail in his Pennsylvania lawsuit. Speaking with Breitbart News tonight, Dershowitz said that the U.S. Supreme Court will likely take up the president's lawsuit against Pennsylvania due to the fact that the state's court implemented election laws that the state legislature did not approve. Quote, I do think that Trump will win the Pennsylvania lawsuit, namely the lawsuit that challenges ballots that were filed before the end of Election Day, but not received until after Election Day. The Pennsylvania legislature had basically said no to that. And the state, the state Supreme Court said yes because of the pandemic. That may have been the right decision in some theoretical sense, but the Constitution doesn't permit anybody in the state but the legislature to make decisions about elections right there. Imagine what happens if Trump does win this. Now, we're not talking about a large quantity of votes. I don't think this would actually overturn the results. It might. I believe that the absentee belts they counted after Election Day were received by Election Day. So for the most part, it wouldn't reverse Donald Trump's uh, uh it wouldn't reverse the numbers. It wouldn't flip the, the state for Trump. But theoretically, 
if the the state legis- uh, the state legislature is the only one who can set election rules, this could have, and it goes to the Supreme Court, it could have a major impact on a bunch of other states. Trump's ultimate Hail Mary pass, talking about throwing a football, two football fields instead of just one. But it's entirely possible. And that's what's scary because people are saying, I'll tell you what, man, while the left is saying Trump will lose and the right is saying Trump will win, there's rational, moderate people saying like, Trump might win. Okay. And, and if that happens, the left is going to lose their minds. Now I've said it time and time again. My opinion is that long shot, you know, when I go, when I go to, uh, the casino and I'm gambling, I don't make big crazy bets. I don't put it all on, you know, uh, put, put it all on 26 on the roulette table because it's unlikely, you know, sometimes you might spread your chips out and you cover 26 and you wait for it. And I think that's the smart move. And I think that's what obviously what Trump is doing, recognizing it's a long shot, but still going for it in some, you know, metered kind of way. He might actually pull it off. Citing Bush v. Gore in 2000, the outspoken Dershowitz asserted that President Trump may very well overturn the Pennsylvania election call if he and his legal team can prove that the segregated ballots helped sway the election. That quote, that was decided perfectly as well in Bush versus Gore. And I think that four to four vote would become a five to four vote. And that's basically what I've said. I'll tell you this. I am impressed with myself that I've been saying this. And Alan Dershowitz, he's the law expert, right? But he's saying it. Amy Coney Barrett, you got to ask yourself and tell your lefty friends, why did they push through Amy Coney Barrett so quickly? Democrats were asking, is it because there's going to be some litigation over the election and she would side with Trump? Perhaps. He says it could become a five to four vote if the issue came before the U.S. Supreme Court and there were enough disputed ballots to make a difference in the outcome of the election. That remains to be seen. As I understand the facts of the case, although I think that the judiciary may have been the right uh, may have been the right thing morally, if you get your ballot in on time, you shouldn't be denied the vote just because the post office screwed up. I don't think you can really make that argument under Article two. I do think that the Republican argument is a stronger one. The Supreme Court will take the case only if it would make a difference, only if the plaintiffs, the Republicans, can show that the number of disputed ballots that were subject uh, subject to sequ- uh, sequ- uh, sequestration by Justice Alito's decision exceeds the difference between the winning margin and losing margin. He concluded, later adding, the Pennsylvania constitutional argument is a wholesale argument that clearly belongs in federal courts. Federal courts. That will impact other states. If it goes to the Supreme Court, Justice Samuel Alito hinted that SCOTUS might take up the Pennsylvania case when he ordered the state's election board segregate ballots that arrived after 8 p.m. on Election Day. All county boards of election are hereby ordered pending further order of the court to comply with the following guidance provided by the secretary of the Commonwealth on October 28th and November 1st, namely that all ballots received by mail after 8 p.m. on November 3rd be segregated and kept in a secure safe and sealed container separate separate from the vote uh, from other voted ballots, that all such ballots, if counted, be counted separately. And that was uh, Alito wrote. Now, and I want to stop there. Many people are saying, so what? That's not going to be enough to overturn the results. And thus, Joe Biden hath won. But what if Trump can prove or has witness testimony that they did not segregate? My question is, why did Justice Alito have to order them to do it? Well, we heard from some social media, uh, from some affidavits and testimony from individuals who are on the ground that they witnessed people shuffling ballots together. And if that's the case, 
That's scary. There's a tweet I want to show you. A tweet from Mark E. Elias. He runs Democracy Docket, which shows us the active litigation going on right now from the Trump post-election. Uh, post, uh, uh, there's the closed results and there's the active cases. And it's interesting. He says, the Trump GOP actually lost seven suits, seven today in Pennsylvania, five in Philly, one in Montgomery County, and one in Third Circuit. They are one for 20 overall. That's right. Donald Trump has lost. Uh, he has won one uh, and he has lost 20. It sounds really, really bad for the president. As I mentioned, some responding to this have noted that Trump may just be trying to clog the courts, but others have said that Trump's campaign is hoping to make the case the ballots all got mixed up and now the entire election process is tainted. And maybe that'll work. And maybe that is the longest of long shots. Honestly, I can't say for sure. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a Supreme Court justice, but Trump certainly isn't going to give up. And I tell you, man, it's tweets like this that I've called out before that I it's a it's a big mistake from these people, but I guess they have no choice but to do it. You know, the, the, the Trump supporters have no choice but to say Trump will win. They want to make sure morale is high. They want to make sure everyone believes in it. And that's for them. And the people who want to say Trump is going to lose. Fine. That's for them. That's not what I do. OK, I try to be rational, reasonable, understand what's happening and tell you. And I'll tell you this. I think this is bad for the left. The left is continually pandering to their base, underestimating Donald Trump. They did it the first time. I tell you, man, in 2016, they underestimated him and he won. And they're doing it again in a different way. And that to me is shockingly stupid. Right now, they should be saying like, five alarm fire. Donald Trump is not stopping. He's filing these lawsuits. He might actually win. The ACLU is trying to intervene and they're suing Donald Trump or they're suing to stop him from nullifying nearly 700,000 ballots, the most significant court case, which is still going through the courts. When we check democracy docket for Pennsylvania, we can see that there is one case, Philadelphia County BOE appeal, that's been rejected five times, five or six times now, fifth appeal. They're saying, no, it's done. But there are active cases. Pennsylvania presidential elector challenged, Pennsylvania Bucks County BOE appeal, Pennsylvania Democratic counties challenge, Trump v. Bookvar, Trump campaign lawsuit filed against Democratic counties in Pennsylvania. The suit challenges the results of the election and asks the court to prohibit the certification of results. And this is still going. I believe the DNC is trying to intervene. I wonder why they would be trying to intervene. Okay, fine. Maybe on the surface, the Democrats are a bit too arrogant. But behind the scenes, I think they realize the severity of the act of this case. And they are running in to try and stop Trump because he could pull it off. There's one thing that has to be said. Okay, Alan Dershowitz also wrote this op-ed on the 9th. And he says, Although Trump Trump can win in Pennsylvania, and he's done interviews about this, it is, wow, lightning striking three times for Trump to pull it off. If you're a Trump supporter, you probably you probably believe he's going to do it. And you should, because he can. And for the Democrats who are like, it'll never happen, who go back to sleep, that's going to be the nightmare scenario for them when they wake up and Trump has somehow pulled it off. Again, Unlikely. I, I don't, you know, I, I, I cite Alan Dershowitz. He says, well, it's very unlikely. We'll see how things play out. But I went through uh, this lawsuit on the 9th and there's a, they're trying to ta- they're targeting 
682,000 ballots saying that they received and processed 682,000 mail-in ballots and absentee ballots without review by the political parties and candidates. They're unprecedented numbers in Pennsylvania's election history. Going on to mention that there was there's several arguments here. This is still going. This is the case you need to pay attention to. If this case makes it to the Supreme Court, if Alito might get angry and he says, I ordered you to segregate these ballots and you didn't do it. And they say it's only a few thousand. It doesn't matter. You didn't do it. And now after the fact, so he had to come in and order them to do it. There was already a ruling. Apparently they weren't abiding by the ruling. And then he intervened and said, do it because he's the justice, uh, you know, overseeing the circuit. And they didn't. What do you think happens when you, you know, you ignore a judge? I can only imagine he's quite angry and he's going to say, you violated the court order. I told you to do it. And now we don't know how many ballots. Talk about long shot of long shots in terms of actually getting this overturned. I honestly don't know. But the reality of the situation is that Democrats should be extremely worried. Kyle Morris tweeted, the GOP has now flipped, has, has flipped 12 seats in the House. I, I added the now because I want to say, as of right now, they have flipped 12 seats in the House. 12. That's massive. Now, the Democrats got like 31. There was some weird mail-in, mail-in voting stuff that happened back then as well, which the Republicans didn't seem to challenge. They probably should have. But now the, now the Republicans have won 12 seats. Back in 2018, I predicted Republicans were going to take the, were, were going to keep the House, the Senate maybe even increase their majority. And I was like, maybe even a super majority. Why? Well, it's simple. And Bill Maher points it out. Bill Maher blames woke Democrats for disappointing election results. Perhaps I overestimated the amount that regular people know about what's going on. And that could be the case. But it was also true that when I said the Republicans are going to maintain their majorities uh, and control, the next day I was right. The results were in and they were like, there it is. The Republicans have won everything. Everyone was saying no blue wave. There was no blue wave. Then a week later, they were like, oh, we're starting to find some votes. There is a blue wave. See, the mail-in votes came in and that changed everything. And I thought that was weird because why was there so many mail-in votes in these districts just randomly in 2018? Sure, I guess, whatever. I have no evidence of anything, so we'll just leave it at that. And now we're saying something similar, but this time around, they pushed for universal mail-in votes. They changed laws. They changed rules. Anyway, I digress. It's weird stuff, but the Republicans have won a major gain and the Democrats have overall lost because the American people don't like the culture war and Trump has his problems. He absolutely does. And a lot of people I know voted for him simply because of the things he's said. I kid you not. People have gone out, went to the voting booth and said, orange man, bad. And to me, it makes sense why they didn't vote for anybody else. They all they knew was voting against Trump. I've talked to some of my friends and they've said this. But it's the woke Democrats that are destroying everything. And I think we are on track in 2022 and 2024 for a right wing resurgence. Bill Maher knows it. He said it outright on his show and he roasted Democrats talking about these insane stories. He talked about how Mario Lopez had to apologize for saying three year olds can't be trans. Bill Maher said these people are nuts. Why are you apologizing for this? Joe Biden right now is on track to win. Trump could flip it. At least anybody paying attention knows this. But everywhere else, the Democrats have basically lost. I think when it comes to the Senate seat that flipped in Colorado, Colorado has been turning blue. You probably a lot of people leave California, go to Colorado. And then you had it was it was Hickenlooper who was running in Colorado, who's popular in the state. And so that makes sense for a flip. But what about in these 
in these in these in these House districts, 12 seats for the Republicans. Regular people are saying no to this, and they're saying it very loudly. Now, a lot of people didn't like Donald Trump, but I tell you what, I was talking to a friend of mine who voted for who voted for Joe Biden and nobody else. And they were complaining about cancel culture making life impossible. They can't do anything or say anything. And they're comedian, like they're, 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 you know, fans of these comedians who now won't tell jokes and they're sick of it. And I laughed and I said, then why would you vote for Joe Biden? He's only going to make it worse. He's bringing back critical race theory. And they said, I don't know because Trump says horrible things. And I'm like, you can't be mad about how your comedians aren't saying jokes anymore and then complain that Trump said horrible things. Pick one. Now, no, I think it's fair to say the president's not a comedian. You know, he shouldn't be saying things that, you know, Bill Burr is saying, for instance. But Trump's got his free speech, and I can understand the argument. However, you don't vote for the guy who's, you know, going to make it all worse, do you? But they didn't vote for a Congress. They don't care about that stuff. They don't want the wokeness. So here's, here's what I'm thinking. Now we're going to start moving into 2022 and uh, 2024. And we are on track if the Democrats don't stop for Republican supermajority. I know I said it last time, but but hear me out. From now until then, lots will change. If the Democrats stay exactly where they are and keep doing the things they're doing, there's no way in my mind that they could win again. In fact, MSNBC, MSNBC said Joe Biden will be a one off because the Democrat brand is trash. Yep. So here's what I think. The Democrats need a hard correction. Purge the wokeness, purge the PC culture, get rid of this weird cult of intersectionality. Talk about the things Trump talked about, but don't be a potty mouth and you'll get a landslide victory. And I've, I've, I've said that all year. They won't do it. The Democrats are embracing Twitter because they think it's real life and it's not. And Ocasio-Cortez is defending their movement to defund the police even though it's been roundly rejected because they're not well. They can't see out of Twitter. Ocasio-Cortez has 10 million followers. And that 10 million, man, that's that's who she represents. She doesn't represent her district. The people in New York want more police. We've seen the polls. We've we've actually seen the interviews with people saying, what do you think? Like, we need more cops. Instead, they defund because Ocasio-Cortez has found that lots of people on Twitter will push her in a certain direction. Love bombing. Let me tell you how the internet works. If you've got a 10 million, 10 million people, but it's, you know, 100,000 people spread out through, you know, uh, 100 districts, not nearly enough to influence the total election of those districts and not representing the majority opinion where they live, but they represent Twitter opinion. So is AOC representing Twitter or her district? It's obvious. Twitter and Instagram where all of these different groups around the country can gather and it, and it can make them powerful. But where they're from, their fringe opinion, regular people don't agree with this stuff. And thus, the Democrats are on track for a long defeat, even if Trump doesn't, doesn't end up securing this legal victory. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all next time. The other day we heard Dr. Fauci, the guy that everyone knows, loves, and trusts, said... Americans have an independent spirit, but now it's time to do what you're told. That's what he said. Okay, he didn't say it quite like that. He said, now it's time to do what you're told. I'm sorry, that's not how this country works. We have a constitution. But I'll tell you what, if you come to me and say, Tim, there is a very serious pandemic. 
Okay, it's it, it's got, you know, most people are going to survive and they'll be okay, but there are lingering health effects. Kind of scary. Yeah, seriously, like 20% have some kind of lingering health effect after getting COVID and people will die. So far, 250 or so thousand people have lost their lives. And that's horrifying. You come to me and you say something like this and I'm going to be like, okay, okay, what do we do? What do we do? If you come to me and say we need to lock down the country for 15 days, I'm say, okay, 15 days doesn't sound so bad. But then it never ends. And therein lies the big problem. They've opened the door. They've said, come on inside for only a little bit. Stay only a little while. And then once you walked in, they slammed it shut, locked it and say, welcome to the party. And the worst part is what we're seeing now. You see, I don't think these despotic, fascistic, democratic governors actually care about any of this. They're just, in my opinion, locking things down because they don't want to be responsible. We've already seen the World Health Organization say no more lockdowns. And what do we get now? Well, you get Fauci saying, do what you're told. Do what you're told, he says. And who is telling us what to do? Why, it's people like Governor Gavin Newsom, who apologizes for flouting his own coronavirus restrictions by attending a 50th birthday party with 12 friends at a three-star Michelin restaurant where tasting menu costs up to $850. I love it. We really are seeing the divide in this country between the two parties, aren't we? Joe Biden, the candidate of Wall Street, the big banks, the international interests, and the wealthy managerial elite. And Donald Trump, crass, crude, boorish, and boastful, the candidate of working class people. Now, not completely. I mean, Democrats have people on their, in, the, in their party who represent working class people, and Republicans have their special interest factions as well. But it's increasingly becoming this obvious. Why, it's not just about good old Gavin Newsom, isn't it? It's also about Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi cancels lavish capital dinner for new members after being shamed for flouting COVID restrictions and branded a hypocrite for telling families not to hold Thanksgiving parties. Isn't that funny? Watching that video of Lori Lightfoot in Chicago going out in the streets and dancing and bullhorning, Biden wins, and then immediately going, but if you do it, you'll be arrested. Yeah. The elites, they know it's good for you. They know it's better for you. So listen to them. Shut up. And as Fauci said, do what you're told. Okay, okay. Here's the point. If someone comes to me and tells me there's a very serious pandemic and we want to save lives, I will say I will do my best. You can count on me. But what am I supposed to think when these people don't follow their own rules? Surely they must be lying. And is it any surprise then that we see this? Christine Nome won't enforce lockdown or a mask mandate. This is in South Dakota. You see, in North Dakota, they're, they're announcing a mask mandate and more lockdowns. But in South Dakota, Christine Nome says, uh-uh, we ain't going to do it. Interesting. Republicans, huh? Crazy old Republicans. Governor Tate Reeves says Mississippi not going to participate in potential national lockdown. Reeves says such a move would have too steep an impact on the economy. Okay. Well, we can see some states. I'm, I'm pretty sure this dude's a Republican. I could be wrong. But we can see some states saying no, and many saying yes. Joe Biden, bring it on, and we'll see how it plays out in the courts. In, I believe, Michigan and Pennsylvania, they've already ruled that these edict, uh, edicts by their uh, governors were unconstitutional. So while New York and New Jersey are locking down once again, Pennsylvania can't. Good. Isn't it wonderful, this thing we have called the Constitution, which prevents despots from taking power? I love it because, you know, 
All of these states would be suppressed by Joe Biden's national lockdown plan were it not for this constitution. And that's what Joe Biden is proposing. He's proposing a national mask mandate, you know, assuming he comes into office. It's looking like Joe Biden is on track. We'll see how things play out. Donald Trump certainly has his legal plans in place. And uh, look, I don't know what's going to happen with Trump. It's seeming more and more slim by the day. But we'll see. You do not underestimate your opponent. And that's the that's a lesson the Democrats should have learned a long time ago, but they don't do it. I don't know what's going to happen, but I tell you what, in the event we get a Joe Biden presidency, his advisor has already said six week national lockdown. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to ignore it. He's going to do whatever he wants. He's going to go to his fancy dinners. He's going to have everything perfectly catered for him. But you rabble, the peasants will have to just go wanting your businesses destroyed like they were last time. And now they've come to finish them off. Isn't it amazing how the Democrats have completely allowed for actions that have destroyed the lives of the small business? I mean, take a look at the COVID lockdowns. We all thought 15 days to slow the spread was going to be a good idea. Even Trump was saying it. We went well beyond 15 days, didn't we? And many industries like the movie theater industry, for instance, small business and restaurant and restaurants decimated. You know who isn't decimated? Amazon. Everybody just orders orders everything from Amazon now. Give all your money to the corporate power and the corporate overlords. Walmart, big box stores. Okay, okay. So the COVID lockdown destroyed small business. What next did Democrats allow? Mass rioting, telling their police to stand down, releasing the rioters, and once again, smashing and destroying small businesses and the livelihoods of many who live in in these cities. It's almost like they like watching your life be ruined. It's almost like they like watching the rabble fight over toilet paper in Walmart. It's creepy, isn't it? You know, I was talking to Alex Jones on my podcast. YouTube took it down. We're working on it. I've got an idea. We're we're trying to get it put back up. We'll see what happens. And in the event that we don't, I have an idea that I think people would find very satisfactory. But uh, we'll get to that. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Anyway, he talks about how there are elites and, you know, they're probably thinking they're doing the right thing to save the planet. And and in order to do so, they have to suppress, curtail and destroy this consumerist economy. It's actually it's it's actually an interesting point, because to be fair, I've long thought about what happens if we just carry on as we are. And certainly there's a certain point where we need to figure out what we as a planet are doing. Now, for the most part, I think individual liberties are paramount, but I'm not a laissez-faire capitalist. I'm not an anarchist or an, even a staunch libertarian. I'm fairly libertarian in most places, but I do think we need to understand common goal and, uh, you know, working towards something as a community, as a nation, and also as a global community. What I mean, what I mean, what I mean by this is there was a period where this nation came together to go to, go to the moon. We were all super excited for it. We used to have, although we have, you know, our constitution and our freedoms, we still were like, this is what we as a nation will do. I think we need something like that. And I think we can do things as part of, you know, international cooperation. The problem, the challenge, we believe in individual liberties. China does not. China puts people's people in camps for thinking the wrong things. They've got Uyghur Muslims in these camps. It's horrifying. I am absolutely down to participate in some kind of national and or global initiative to do something really, really cool, something really, really great. Go to Mars, go to the moon, develop cold fusion technology or other crazy technologies. I'd love it. 
The problem is they ask of us something they themselves would not do. It's the old it's the old uh, adage of the um, the general leading the charge of the military on, on the horse and, you know, charge saying I would not send my men in to do something I would not do myself today. Well, that's what the Democrats have become. And some Republicans, don't get me wrong, for the most part, I think Democrats and Republicans are all pretty bad. The Republicans are slightly less bad in many ways, mostly like, you know, you got Christy Noem, for instance. Right now, we're getting the opposite of leadership. We're getting wealthy, privileged elites who think they're smarter than you and better than you, and they think they deserve more than you. And thus, you, the rabble, must have your lives destroyed, for you must sacrifice everything for the good of this planet. Don't fly in your plane. You know those plane tickets? It's so much carbon emissions. My word, just walk. Meanwhile, they're flying in luxury jets and they're flying in, you know, and they're living in big mansions that consume more energy than like the average 10 homes. And then you get people like Greta Thunberg, you know, the how dare you girl talking about climate change. Yeah, what did she do? Well, she said, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. and I'm not going to fly because that does produce carbon emissions. I'm just going to get a team of individuals to take a multi-million dollar trip across the Atlantic to make it to the UN. Oh, because we could all do that, right? Meanwhile, she doesn't talk at all about China or India and their pollution. Once again, they pretend to be the leadership telling you to run into battle while they go and hide and count their fortunes. They don't actually care. There's no community here. If you actually told me that we were going to be working together towards the greater good, a big mission, like give me anything. We'll build a giant robot. I don't know. I'm down. But they don't do that. They say you sacrifice. You give up your business, your livelihood, and you better lock down. And then they go and party. And they've been doing it the whole time. We've seen what the riots did destroying businesses. And the riots should have not, they should not have been allowed to be out under their own guidelines, but they cut these people loose. They said, we're dropping the charges. That's what I find truly remarkable in all of this, that when it came to the riots, you could argue they shouldn't have been arrested because, you know, the the police are the ones who falsely arrested them. Okay, well, what about fines for violating the COVID lockdown and curfew? Oh, your rules only apply when it's politically advantageous for you to apply them. Across Europe right now, we're starting to see the result of this despotism. In France, just a week or so ago, gridlock as people were fleeing the city. The rules in France, like you got to have your papers. I'm not exaggerating. If you want to leave your house, show them your papers. They'll stop you. What right do you have to leave your home? I have my papers here, sir. Okay, carry on. And you're probably wearing a bubble suit as it is. In Prague, in Italy, in Spain, in the UK, protests and riots have erupted over the continuing lockdowns in these uh, in these places. Now, what do you think is going to happen as China carries on and grows and mass produces and pollutes and the UK and the US are being having their economies destroyed? They're seriously bringing back the lockdowns and and Biden wants a national lockdown. You see, that would override the Republican governors. He could invoke you know, some war powers of sorts and try and do it. It would be challenged in the courts, but he's trying to force these Republicans to do the same thing. China and a few other countries and many other countries are going to keep doing whatever they want. So while our economies are being destroyed, their economies are growing. China is an adversary to the United States. We cooperate in many ways. We negotiate, but we are dangerously close to war with China. Why would we shutter our economy 
at a time with increasing tensions and fears of what's called Thucydides trap. Maybe that's the reason. You see, Thucydides trap is this old, uh, it's an idea that whenever a new economic power, a rising economic, economic power comes too close to subverting or, or overtaking the dominant economic power, war erupts. In the last 500 years, according to another article from The Atlantic, 12 out of 16 instances resulted in war. Maybe that's what they're worried about. We can't have World War III. We know that after World War II, there was a very serious effort to make sure we never entered World War III. Maybe that's the case. We're too dangerously close to war with China. Therefore, we need to just lay down our arms, shutter our economy and weaken ourselves so they can peacefully glide into economic dominance. I'm not saying that's actually true, but it's what's going to happen if we keep locking things down. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if these Democratic governors are just saying, look, man, I'm rich. And not even the governors of Nancy Pelosi. They're rich. What do they have to worry about? Their worst case scenario is they fly to their New Zealand mountain bunker like so many of these rich people actually have. Now, I don't know if Newsom and Pelosi have that magic bunker, but these are these places exist. You've got weird mountainside like uh, fortresses that rich people have bought. It's really interesting. We were researching on it, researching the stuff at Vice and interviewing people. Some people have bought old missile silos and then turned them into massive bunkers because these things are supposed to be able to withstand attack from like ballistic missiles. You know, in the event of war, you want your nukes to be able to launch, right? These people have a way out. Do you? What happens when they give bunk reasons to destroy your life? The rich get richer. The poor get poorer, and we are inching ever more closer to oligarchy. You take a look at the plans from the likes of, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders says tax the rich. Bernie Sanders talks about expanding the progressive tax. Okay, that I understand. But this idea that the left says where they say tax the rich, what they don't tell you is that they're only talking about people who make more than $250,000 a year. People who make more than $250,000 a year by, I think, any reasonable metric, rich. Seriously, you've got more than you, you, you can uh, more than you need. Absolutely. And so you've got massive disposable income. You can start investing. But there's a dramatic difference between someone who makes 250K and someone who makes 25 million. The more money you have, the more power you have. So here's what ends up happening. They tax the rich, making it harder for people who are wealthy, but not near the millions to climb that mountain. But once you break a certain threshold and you're making millions upon millions of dollars, you can start investing that across the board and your risk is totally mitigated. You can pay the taxes. So what? Who cares? Not only that, you know, all the loopholes, you got all the best lawyers, easier for the rich to navigate, and it makes it harder for the poor to become rich. It is curtailing upward mobility. The same is true for the way Bernie proposes the, the progressive tax, even even. So his goal is, you know, make more progressive brackets going up into the millions upon millions. And I, I understand. And to an extent, I like the idea. The only problem is it just means the government becomes the centralized wealthy you know, position. There's no easy solution. There's none. But I'll tell you, the solution right now, what we're going through, it's not we, we can't have these lockdowns, especially when these hypocrites are ignoring their own rules and gloating. I'll show you. We, we, can, we can see what happens in Europe. Check this out. Danish farmers demand end to cull of 17 million minks over coronavirus outbreak as no new cases of people infected with mutant strain are recorded. Denmark ordered a cull of all 17 million farmed mink after animals were infected with coronavirus. The virus mutated and was then passed back to humans. Farmers took to the streets and tractors to protest against the government's order. The operation 
has been plagued by errors with mink left strewn across roads. Police had to issue warning after complaints over the smell from mass graves. Meanwhile, legal uh, legal battles broke out over whether the coal violates the Constitution in Denmark, at least. So there's no new cases and they destroyed. They killed 17 million mink. It seems crazy. It seems like if you're going to take these actions, you got to you got to do you got you to make sure your planning is correct. Now, listen, as I was saying earlier, I think that we can't just carry on as we do. I'm not saying that we need a Green New Deal like the way Ocasio-Cortez proposes it. I do think we need a cohesive cultural uh, culture and some kind of national goal that can even tie into a global initiative. I'm totally fine with that. The issue is that instead of saying things like, we want you to keep your job, we want industry to function, we don't want war, we're going to we're going to do a new initiative and we're going to focus on some kind of newer technology. Those ideas are out there and I respect the people proposing them. But instead, what we get is ban planes, you know, build a train to Hawaii, ban farting cows, a completely unserious and childlike view of the problems we face. There are some crazy people out there with power and they think that there's too many people that we're overpopulated. Well, I certainly think we can't just carry on as we are. Because resources are finite and just expansion isn't infinite. I think that, you know, the solutions, we, we, we can look to someone like Elon Musk going to Mars. Not an absolute solution, but we should be focused on things like that. Here's the problem. People like Elon Musk, or, or you know what, Elon Musk specifically, he fired a rocket into space and along with it, a Tesla Roadster, I think. I think it was the Roadster. And the left got mad. Why are you wasting that money? He didn't blast the money into space. The money was spent here on Earth on people's jobs. And they use that money to pay for goods and services. More importantly, I believe the bigger problem is the fringe left. Conservatives tend to be fairly moderate by today's standards. You you, you have staunch and diehard conservatives for sure. But with the left joining the ranks of the Trump base, you have people who are willing to say, we should probably work on some, you know, initiative of some sort. We do believe in America and America's goals and how we can make the world a better place. But the left is just trying to give everyone everything and destroy everything. So I ask you, what kind of future do we want? Do we want lockdowns where the elites decide that we shouldn't have the right to live in comfort because we're the rabble, but they get to and they, they empower leftists who just destroy everything from our businesses with force to, you know, advocating for policies that just erode our economic base. Or do we want a future where we say we find a way to reach post scarcity? We develop replicator technology and spaceships to the stars. Do we expand? Do we succeed? Do we continue our growth just in a way that is more sustainable and brings us to new worlds and new civilizations or whatever? I know, I know. Star Trek, right? My vision for a future is right now we have decentralized economics. That's the way capitalism kind of works. I choose to make something. You choose to watch it. Someone buys ads. The system churns, but it's not perfect. I'm not a laissez-faire capitalist. I think we need some kind of initiative where we say, here's a goal that we're working towards. But guess what? We have taxes. The government can decide to spend money in certain places. It's not so easy. I see the left as trying to bring us back down to some kind of tribalistic, you know, uh, primitive style of, of culture. 
I'm not saying that as a derogatory statement. I'm saying they want to br- turn back the clock as far as possible to when we were just forced dwelling in, you know, pl- savannah dwelling nomads. While sure, that would probably preserve the ecosystem. We eventually just cease to exist. If that's the case, that's not that's that, that, that that's that's nothing. It's nothing. It's nowhere. We go nowhere. I want a future of progress, of human success. So anyway, long story short, because I'm, I'm ranting about this stuff. The gist of what I'm trying to get at is we have leaders in this country that they're not leaders. I shouldn't even say that political elites with power that would rather you suffer and they get the rewards because it's better for everyone this way. We don't want people getting sick. So you sacrifice. Imagine what kind of future that would be if we carry on this path of what, say, of what Pelosi and Newsom are doing and Cuomo to an extent. That guy's doing other things. You'll end up with a class of despotic royalty, corp- corporate overlords, which we're almost already at, taking away from the rabble. It kind of reminds me of um, the time machine where like in the future, you've got the smart underground dwelling dudes and then like the really dumb ones. It's almost as if like that's what, where we're heading. They're going to make a bunch of poor people do the rabble work and live as nomads while they get to float up in Elysium in the space station. That's not not ideal. I don't believe in that. I don't want to live that way. Maybe it's just uh, um, fan, fan, yeah, fantasy, right? Maybe we're not going to get to that point. Maybe we'll, we'll pull through this in such a way that humanity uh, you know, strives and succeeds and we become more powerful in many ways and we improve the quality of life on earth. There's always going to be corrupt people who want, who want power, and we've got to do something about it. These people are not smarter than anybody else. I mean, some of them are. So they're smart people. They exist. But there's no reason that they're allowed to destroy our lives while they get to go to their fancy dinners. I just I, I just don't think so. And that's a big divide that's happening right now with people like Fauci saying, do what you're told. This is what we get. The resistance lefty blue checks on Twitter saying it's for your own good. And everyone else saying freedom. I think a little healthy mix of both is is uh, uh, is due. Right. Here's the issue. Of course. There are many conservatives that say, I'll wear a mask. I'll do what I need to do. But don't burn the system to the ground. Meanwhile, the left tends to be getting more and more zealous. And that recipe for disaster, because eventually these two ide- ideologies can't coexist. Oh, whatever, man. I think the lockdowns are going to come. If you don't want a lockdown, you better be crossing your fingers that Donald Trump can pull off these legal, vic- legal victories because he's not going to allow it. Joe Biden will do it. He'll do it fast and he'll bring you your dark winter. So we'll see. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It's a different channel from this one. Go check it out. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Infamous forecaster Nate Silver is outraged that betting markets are still keeping Trump in the race. And to be fair, I think it's because Nate Silver doesn't understand how many of these betting markets work. But I got to tell you, Nate, you think Trump lost. He has an extremely triple lightning strike chance of winning. I get it. You think he lost. You don't count him out. And what I think Nate's really mad about is two things. Nobody trusts him. He's been wrong twice in a row now when it matters most. And uh, some people just don't want to count out Donald Trump. And that's the reality. People were being polled. Who do you think is going to win the election? And they kept saying Trump over and over again, even though they would say that they wouldn't vote for him because people maybe maybe the pollsters, the forecasters and the pundits were right. People were traumatized by Trump's victory. 
The media told everyone that Trump was going to lose. He had no chance, 99% chance, Hillary Clinton is going to be your next president. Happy birthday to this future president, says Twitter. You know, Hillary Clinton on Twitter. But then Trump ended up winning and a bunch of people couldn't believe it. So this time around, they're like, he's going to win again. And we all know it. And then, well, it's looking not it's not looking that great for Trump. But Nate Silver is really angry. It's kind of funny. I got to show you these tweets. Nate Silver says prediction markets still give Trump a nine percent chance of winning, which is freaking insane. The election is over. He lost. The courts aren't ruling in his favor. Recounts won't overturn Biden's margins. GOP state legislatures aren't entertaining an end around. I got to stop. Nate, you've been wrong too much. Sit this one out. The betting markets are saying 8.8% chance that Trump will be the next president. Just chill. Just chill. Could you imagine? And I wish, I wish. We'll see. We'll, I, I, I think it's like a lottery ticket's chance at this point. But could you imagine how glorious it would be if Trump ends up actually winning and then Nate Silver is just like his head explodes? He was wrong in 2016. He was wrong in 2020. And what if now when he's finally like, enough, there's no way it's impossible. And then he actually is wrong again. Oh, fingers crossed, my friends. Fingers crossed. See, I'm all about that media comeuppance. You know what I mean? The arrogant, incessant screeching about how they're better than you and they know it. Please stop. You don't know what's going to happen. I do think it's fair to say the likelihood that Trump pulls this one out is slim. But the betting market says 8.8%. Wow. I'm actually impressed. Nate goes on. If Trump had to pull this off in one state, well, 9% would still be far too high. But maybe you'd bet on him at 100 to 1 or something. But he has to overturn the results in three states. It's not happening. It's over. If you think Trump will win, you deserve to lose your money. Or it's a value bet. Come on, buddy. Don't you know how betting works? People are like, if I put down eight bucks, I can win a hundred. Sure. Why not? I don't care about the eight bucks, but I'd love to get a hundred. That could be the simple reason. He says it is not some rational evaluation. Ooh, a coup working. Betting markets still give Trump a 9% chance of winning Nevada, <laughs> where Biden's ahead by a lot. And the government is run by Dems. So any coup would fail. Some people are idiots and some idiots bet on prediction markets over at predict it. Donald Trump has seen his shares going down and Biden's have been going up a little bit. But recently, Biden went down a little bit. Trump right now, even though the Electoral College has been solidified, this is how insane things are. If you really, Nate Silver, think that Donald Trump is going to lose Put your money where your mouth is. Why don't you buy a share of Joe Biden at 90 cents? Because when he's finally inaugurated, guess, or I should, I think certified, you get 10 cents for every 90 cents you bet. If you think stupid people deserve to lose their money, why aren't you betting on Joe Biden? You see, the way the predicted market works, this is the, the best part. If I put 90 cents down on a Joe Biden share, that's how it works. If Joe Biden becomes the next president, or I'm sorry, if he wins the Electoral College, and they're saying straight up he's going to, you get 10 cents. Now, it's not a value bet, but look at it this way. You put 900 bucks down, you get a 300 bucks. If you think you know it's true, will you put down $900 for a chance to win 100? Hey, 
Would you put down $9,000 if it means you're going to win 1000 It's a sure thing, isn't it? How much you want to bet Nate Silver wouldn't do it? And that is the most important question out of all of this. You, th- there, there were a bunch of really funny predicted market options. Like you could actually bet that the Democrats would not win with like a, with 400 electoral votes. And if you did, you would get 11 cents for every 89 cents you put in. That's how it works. Like if, if you buy a Biden share for, for any sense, once it's done, then those shares are worth a dollar. That's insane that people like it, that. Let, let, let me let me phrase it this way. What I'm trying to say is I'm willing to bet. I am willing to place a gentleman's bet that there are a lot of people unwilling right now to buy Joe Biden shares. And that's why you see right here it went down one cent. Now, it's, it's gone up a bit. But look at it this way. If you buy it right now and then it goes up to like 95 cents, you make five cents for every 90 cents. It's a good bet, isn't it, Nate? Did you buy your shares? Did you bet on Joe Biden to win? If they're still offering up the bet and you're so convinced, do it. That's the, that's the crazy thing. Ask somebody. And I bet most people are going to say no. And that was the crazy thing about the, about the Democrat how, uh, electoral college majority. As if there was ever an op, a reality where Democrats were going to get 400 plus electoral votes. It's not even like mathematically in the realm of possibility because of how states break down their electoral votes. But fine, I guess. Texas flips and then boom. They, if, if Texas flipped blue, they still wouldn't get close to 400. But you could have won that. I didn't see Nate Silver coming out saying, why are they giving a 10% chance for Democrats to win this many? Ah. Nate's just mad that people won't count Trump out. And you know why? Because Trump has made one of the most powerful, boldest moves he could have made. Signaling he's going to win. He puts Rudy Giuliani in charge of the fraud lawsuits after being angered by advisors saying he had little chance of overturning results as he takes to Twitter to refuse to concede. I'm, I'm being a bit facetious, but Rudy Giuliani, he may be an old guy. Maybe he's past his prime. Maybe the things he's saying, just the ravings of a madman or a genius. I mean, come on. Rudy Giuliani is a high level dude. He's not he, he's no slouch, right? He took down the mob. He's America's mayor. He was there during 9-11. You got a lot to criticize him for. But the dude clearly is not some random moron. Maybe he's willing to take this all the way to the end. And I tell you what, you want to know why? It's not about a coup. What, what, what Nate Silver was saying with the coup is that some people are betting Trump could win because he like storms in with the Marines or something. That's not what they're saying. The betting markets are saying he might actually win the votes, like through a legal process, flipping the votes or something. Nate, buddy, first of all, while I agree it is highly unlikely, I'd probably say 8.8% is a little high, but I'm going to give Trump a decent, a decent percentage. I'm, I'm not going to count him out. If Trump wins a Supreme Court victory on mail-in voting, Nevada is the first target. Nevada instituted universal mail-in voting. Never been done before. Maybe in violation of some electoral procedure or otherwise. In which case, you could flip thousands, hundreds of thousands of votes, tens of thousands, maybe. And then Trump really could win Nevada. And people are going to get their money back. Ultimately, I think, out of everything, Trump is a guy that people know will never, ever give up. And that maybe is worth 8.8%. Now, I say it again, put your money where your mouth is, buddy. But he won't, because he's scared of Trump. That's the reality. Donald Trump is an imposing figure. There's this, there's this video going around where he's talking to Jimmy Kimmel. 
And he was asked, what would, how, how would your coworkers describe you? And he says, someone who never, ever gives up. You must never give up. And that alone builds confidence in some people, more so than maybe Trump deserves, but, but he has. And that's why people thought Trump was going to win this time around as well. And it's why some still do. I don't blindly trust the media. And, and I'm not going to trust Nate Silver. That's the funniest thing about it. You want to know what else, Nate? You see, he's mad because they don't care about what he thinks anymore. See, you know, Nate used to be this uh, uh, prodigy. He predicted these things using statistical analysis and said, I was right. I can use math and solve this problem. Then he was wrong in 2016. Uh Uh-oh. What's the value of your website now? He was wrong again in 2020. Ouch. That got hurt. Yeah, it's got to hurt his bottom line pretty bad. Now, to be fair, you know, he plays a, he plays a statistics game. It's where he's like, Trump has X percent chance of winning. And then when Biden won, it was like, see, it was within that realm. But they predicted all of these blue districts were going to go uh, to de- uh, Democrats and Republicans were just picking things up like crazy. In fact, in Miami, there was a safe Democrat seat and it turned red. That's something no one expected. So at this point, people believe in Donald Trump. That's crazy, isn't it? Maybe it, it, maybe at 8%, maybe with these shares, it's not even his own base. Cause I'll tell you this. Where are Trump's supporters? Let me ask you this in the inverse. If you're a Trump supporter and you know that Trump is going to come out with the evidence, he's going to get the courts, they're going to flip the result. Trump's going to win. Why aren't you buying in at 10 cents? Cause you're buying it. Oh, it's 11 cents. You buy in at 11. Guess what? You're going to get 89 cents for every dime you drop in. If you truly believe Trump will win. Trump's numbers should be a lot higher. Trump's got 72.3 million voters. You'd think they could drive that price up a bit, but no, it's still sitting at Joe Biden. Let me just put it this way. I will not buy shares of Joe Biden. It's just not, it's not there for me. I think the forecasters are insane and have no idea what they're talking about. And I don't think anybody knows either. So I'm not quite convinced it's worth putting 90 cents down to maybe win a dime. The value isn't there. And I don't even think the probability is because what you're going to lose 90 cents. Forget that, man. Honestly, Trump's the value bet. I wouldn't mind throwing on a dollar, you know, buy 10 shares. Maybe I'll win 10 bucks. huh? That one seems like a good bet. Cheap. But for Trump supporters, I would like to see the same thing. His price should be way higher if you're convinced. So, you know, look, the legal process is playing out. We'll see how it goes. In the meantime, People are going to continually rag on the forecasters and the pollsters. Stick around. I got a couple more segments coming up in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. It was a big, big mistake, AT&T. And I wonder if anyone warned you or the executives who finalized the purchase of CNN. I wonder if anyone warned you, don't do it. Don't buy a dying network. Are you nuts? But they did. And now they're $150 billion in debt. Wow. AT&T reportedly looking to sell CNN after hit from hating Trump, Gasparino. There was a period where CNN used to send reporters out on the ground. Now CNN just complains about Trump all day. To be fair, there was a time when Tim Pool would spend, you know, time on the ground reporting from the field. For me, the difference was I was being physically attacked and threatened and people started to recognize me too much. So it became just untenable. There's nothing I could do. So I switched to doing, you know, more news reporting, cultural commentary stuff, and uh, what I'm basically doing now, my thoughts and opinions and social commentary, et cetera, et cetera. But CNN made the choice. CNN could send out reporters. They didn't have to do this. 
The truth is they were dying and everybody knew they were dying and they found a path to cash. Orange man bad. We long, we often used to joke that CNN would eventually become just a YouTube channel with one guy like me complaining about the right. And that's the most lucrative thing they could do right now. They won't. They could probably make way more money. It's kind of amazing that I'm getting around 50%, a little bit more than 50%, like 55 to 60% of, of the views that CNN gets on YouTube. Isn't that crazy? I'm just some dude. I got a room. It's a cool room, by the way. We set it up. We designed it. And I just complain about my feelings on the internet. CNN, $150 billion. Wow. My margins are like nothing. Like seriously, I, I turn the camera on and I, I read the news and I talk about my feelings and people watch. Thank you. I'm eternally grateful. But I don't got crazy overhead. I don't got multi-million dollar, you know, hosts like Anderson Cooper. CNN's not sustainable. This, this is. What we need, though, is real reporting. And that's the scary thing. To be honest, I'm fully cognizant of the fact that I rely on the likes of CNN and Fox and, you know, the Daily Mail and the Hill for their reporting. And if these sites didn't exist, what would I really be commenting on? I don't know, tweet, tweets? Sometimes I do when you see things happen on Twitter. But yeah, journalism is important. And it's dying out. Well, I'm certainly trying to do something about it, but it's very difficult because COVID has made it nearly impossible. But the goal right now is we actually have the space. We want to hire, uh, I should say I want to hire maybe four or five people to just start writing stories, a combination of fact-checking, aggregation, and, and, and ab- ab- actual reporting. So I'd love to send people out on the ground, to go and cover things like you got the Million MAGA March happening, uh, stuff like that, and actually start producing this. We would also need like a web, dev, a web dev of sorts. So that's my intention. And the point with all that is, as CNN is on the outs, they already had like uh, buyouts not that long ago. Now AT&T is trying to, uh, trying to get rid of CNN. That's funny because I, re- I remember back in the day that Time, I think Time Warner owned CNN. And I heard rumors from top level like journalist types that they were going to sell CNN and no one believed it. And then they did to AT&T. And then no one believed it when they were like, AT&T wants to sell it because it's a waste of money. You know that CNN pays like six or seven million dollars to appear in airports, something crazy like that. Here's what's happening. CNN's overhead is too high. They're desperate. They're, they're bleeding money. And the parent company is trying to just get rid of them. And you look at what's going on over here. My, my, my network's growing. I'm looking to hire people to do journalism, to actually start writing, uh, uh, DC area, mind you, and probably travel around actually covering news. And it's going to be a challenge. It really is because there's, there's, uh, news doesn't make a whole lot of money. CNN turned themselves from a news network into an orange man bad cultural commentary network to try and make money, but their overhead's way too high. I started as doing news, became cultural commentary, and now I'm trying to hire news producers. Got to be careful though. It, it, it's, it's hard to grow organically, making straight news profitable. It, it is a big challenge. Well, let, let's read a little bit about what they're saying. AT&T is reportedly looking at selling CNN to pay its massive debt. But the cable news company may have hit its peak hating Trump. Fox business senior correspondent Charlie Gasparino argued Friday. CNN does not have Donald Trump to kick around anymore, and the ratings will take a hit, he told Tucker Carlson tonight, given the current projected presidential election results. Isn't it funny? That as soon as they're like, we, we, we have to talk about what's the media going to do if Trump loses? Now, as soon as the media calls it for Biden, C- the AT&T is like, quick, sell CNN. We can't make money anymore. Isn't that funny? I love it. He reports that AT&T is financially unstable with $150, million, $150 billion in debt. They need to cut costs. There's an active investor out there. 
Gasparino said, despite the low odds of any deal in the immediate future, a sale of CNN to billionaire Jeff Bezos would make sense from both sides. Media investment bankers tell Fox Business. I'm not a CNN hater. They have a lot of good journalists there, Gasparino said. The rumor is real. AT&T is a screwed up company and CNN, like a lot of media companies, it may have hit its peak hating Trump. That's the best part. All CNN was worth was the Orange Man Bad Network. What are they going to talk about now? Why would anyone in their right mind, even Bezos, buy CNN? Are you nuts? Let's see. How can I burn through billions of dollars very quickly? I know I'll buy CNN with no Trump left. I had this friend a long time ago, this guy I knew, and I was hanging out at Hackerspace. He used to work for DreamWorks. And he was telling me that he, he was trying to look for a new job and was probably going to get into, you know, aerospace design and stuff like that. And I was like, but don't you work for DreamWorks? And he's like, yeah, but, you know, layoffs are coming and stuff like that. And I said, why, why are they laying people off? It's like a big movie company. And he goes, we ran out of Shrek. That was it. He really, I, I laughed. I thought it was funny. Because they kept making all these Shrek movies that made tons of money, but nothing else. You know, they weren't really making a whole lot. I think it was DreamWorks. I could be wrong. Anyway, the point was they had that one thing. And when they were finally over, they ended up making Shrek 4 anyway, because people like it, I guess. I wouldn't be surprised if they do another one at some point. Because it makes money. CNN, they needed Trump to win. And now, well, I'll tell you what. Let me show you what they have. CNN's Amanpour slammed for comparing Trump's term to Nazis' Kristallnacht. Foul, even for CNN. Wow. Talk about squeezing every last drop out of Trump. Christian Amanpour, you have gone insane. She says she's like Kristallnacht 82 years ago when the Nazis destroyed blah, blah, blah. So, you know, set a, set a fire across the bow of decency and intelligence and normalcy and stuff like that. And then she was like, after four years of Trump doing his own version, Joe Biden seeks to make things normal again. And it's like, whoa, wow, that is bold. It's the it's a, a death rattle. You know, what a death rattle is it's like when when someone or something is dying and they go and make a crazy, gross noise. And then they void their bowels. And you're like, oh, what is it? Watch like South Park when they deal with death because they go over the top with it. This is what we're watching right now. CNN is voiding its bowels. You know what that means? Like, so, so you have all these muscles holding in your bodily waste. When you die, it just drops, no longer holding it together. And, and that's what's happening right now with Christian Amanpour. This is like, I imagine you, you eat all this trash for, for four years. And just keep pumping out garbage, orange man bad. And then eventually you got to take a big old dump. Seen an Amanpour slammed for comparing Trump's term to Crystal Knocked. I am impressed. But this is like Christian Amanpour. This is the perfect analogy for like CNN vomiting on the table in front of all of us. Something that's not even news anymore. Like it got to the point where they were telling us stuff. And then one day they just barf all over themselves and more people tuned in. It's true. If you did a nightly news broadcast and you were like, tonight, breaking news, you'd get way more viewers. People would be like, whoa, what is this? This is crazy. That's, that's what's happening. This is truly incredible. They say, CNN international anchor Christian Amanpour has been labeled despicable and disgusting after comparing a deadly night at the start of the Holocaust to Trump's four years in the White House. She said, this week, 82 years ago, 
Kristallnacht happened. It was the Nazis' warning shot across the bow of our human civilization that led to genocide against a whole identity. And in that tower of burning books, it led to an attack on fact, knowledge, history, and proof. After four years of a modern day assault on those same values by Donald Trump, the Biden-Harris team pledges to a return to normal. What? (laughs) CNN deserves to flounder for this. This is ridiculous. Quote, it's disgusting, though not surprising that a major 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 media figure would use dead cheese would use the Holocaust to make a cheap political point. It is something progressives have done for a long time, disgracing the memory of those who have passed in the Holocaust in order to make a false accusation against the United States president. It seemed the only time many people care about anti-Semitism is when they can use it to their political advantage. I think it was Michael Malice. He said this when I did the podcast with him and Alex Jones. He said that one of one of the quotes that really makes the feminists angry is that more white supremacists fought uh, against the Nazis than uh, progressive feminists did. And it's funny because uh, he's right. Isn't that weird? When you think about like the World War Two era. Yeah, this was pre-civil rights, man. Remember all the videos you see from like segregation and they're like harassing minorities and stuff, or black people uh, particularly. The World War Two was like 10 years before all that. So these young men who were storming the beaches were probably all very racist. Okay, not all of them, but a lot of them probably were. That's what people were like back then. It's what they believed. I don't see any progressive feminists, feminists storming the beaches. Anyway, long story short, tis the, the end for CNN uh, in some respects. And maybe this is the last dying gasp as we watch CNN void their figurative bowels. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. It was an obvious outcome. We warned you this would be the case, but uh, I'm probably just preaching to the choir here because my warnings go out to all of you. Maybe we should have done more. Maybe we could have said something. Maybe we said all we could and some people just don't want to listen. I think it's funny. We saw Dr. Naomi Wolf's tweet about if I realized Joe Biden was in favor of lockdowns, I never would have voted for him. And here comes the Biden regret already. Well, Minneapolis violence surges as police officers leave department in droves from The Washington Post. Wow. Democracy dies in darkness, they say. Perhaps we could have been screaming as loud as possible. Stop. Minnesota, why did you vote Democrat? Well, you reap what you sow. And now violent crime is going to surge. And I tell you, something interesting will happen. Republican and moderate individuals are going to leave these states. I'm one of them. I'm not going to live in these blue states, but the people who stay there are probably okay with it. And they're going to keep voting for the same thing. This is just people leaving to find some kind of a comfortability or safety. But if people are completely fine with the violence and the chaos, then they'll stay or they'll keep voting for it. Regular people who don't like it will leave and then go to other states, thus solidifying the cultural divide between certain areas. To put it simply, I know a lot of people who moved to Trump country. They found areas that were red and said, I don't want to live in these cities anymore. In fact, I am currently in a red area because I didn't want to live in those cities. I don't want to to be represented by these lunatics who pander to things like defund the police. But the people who stay are fine with it, right? Eventually, we're just going to have hyperpolarization across the board to a, to a degree where we can't even recognize each other. And that's where I think this is all eventually going to go. Uh, uh, people are like, I don't want to live in a city with, with no cops. So you'll end up with a minority. 
you'll end up with 67% Democrat to, you know, only 20 something percent plus, you know, independents that will will actually be in favor of having the police. And then the violence hits, people are trapped. But ultimately, my bigger concern is what happens when these people stay in a place like Minnesota or Minneapolis, keep voting for this, become ideologically entrenched, but then become wanting. They go to the federal government, they petition, they start taking from the states that are doing better. Ultimately, it would drag everyone down. Here's the story from the Washington Post. They say the sound of gunfire has become so familiar across North Minneapolis that Kathy Spann worries she has grown numb to it. Day and night, the bullets sip through zip through the predominantly black neighborhood, hitting cars and homes and people. The scores of victims have included a seven-year-old boy wounded in a drive-by shooting, a woman who took a bullet that came through her living room while she was watching television with her family, and a 17-year-old girl shot in the head and killed. Span, a longtime community activist who works for the Jordan Area Community Council, cannot recall another time when things were this bad, not even when the city was branded Murderopolis during a spike in violence in the mid-90s. The police are not as much a presence as they used to be, Span said, noting that sometimes when neighbors call 911, officers are delayed in responding or don't come at all. I wonder why. Could it be the uh, defund the police movement that just happened? Yes, it could be, obviously. Quote, if you want to talk about pandemics, we're dealing with a pandemic of violence, Span said on a recent afternoon, just as word came of two more nearby shootings. We're under siege. You wake up and go to bed in fear because you don't know what's going to happen next. And our city has failed to protect us. Nearly six months after the George Floyd incident sparked massive riots. They say protests. I say riots. And left a wide swath of the city burned and destroyed. Minneapolis is grappling with dueling crises, an unprecedented wave of violence and droves of officer departures that the Minneapolis Police Department warns could soon leave the force unable to respond to emergencies. Homicides in Minneapolis are up 50 percent, with nearly 75 people killed across the city so far this year. More than 500 people have been shot, the highest number in more than a decade and twice as many in 2019. And there have been more than 4,600 violent crimes, including hundreds of carjackings and robberies, a five year high. Most of the violence has happened since Floyd's death on Memorial Day, which some experts attribute in part to the lingering anger over the slang and the effects of the coronavirus, including job losses and the closure of community centers and other public spaces. Minneapolis police say they have struggled to respond. They have faced a surge of officer departures in the wake of Floyd's death and the outcry against police. In June, a city council majority vowed to defund and dismantle the department and replace it with a new agency focused on a mix of public safety and violence prevention, a move that could go before voters in 2021. A move that no matter what happens will fail. I mean, maybe it'll fail at the vote. Maybe it will be implemented, but it will fail nonetheless. In a recent meeting with the Minneapolis Charter Commission, which is studying police staffing as part of the city's council efforts to remake policing, Arondo, I'm sorry, Arredondo told members he had been forced to deactivate several divisions inside the department and put those officers back on patrol because of staffing shortages. He told the commission the department has about 735 sworn officers down from their budgeted 888 of which about 500 were on patrol. He warned that dropping below 500 officers on the street would jeopardize the city's crime response and that he and Mayor Jacob Frey had started to develop contingency plans that would include triaging calls for help, something he said he believes will erode public trust further. Maybe that was the point. You see, 
They want the cops to be on edge, agitated, frantic and panicked, rushing from place to place. It's kind of like the joke. The beatings will continue until morale improves. Haha, ha, we get it because beatings won't improve the morale. Defunding the police will not solve the problem that you are facing with police. Funding them, having more police likely would solve that problem or at least help alleviate some of those stresses. More cops on the streets. They feel safer and more comfortable. Someone's got their back. Instead, the amount of officers is dropping. People don't feel comfortable. And the cops are going to be stressed, panicked, and overworked. Then people are going to say, look how awful they're doing at their job, and they'll get rid of them too. And then there won't be cops. And this will only get worse. He says, it's creating a police department that I did not want to have. And that's one-dimensional. Our core focus is patrols and investigations. On Friday, the city council voted to allocate nearly $500,000 for the police department to temporarily hire officers from neighboring law enforcement agencies to help patrol the streets from November 15th until the end of the year. Our city is bleeding, said the chief told members of the city council. At this moment, I'm trying to do all I can to stop that bleeding. But the plan to hire temporary officers does not address the department's uncertain future, with even more officers considering departing. And why would officers come in on even a temporary basis? Why would you want to risk it? The rioters are going to throw stuff at you, huh? You're going to risk your safety, your reputation, your life? They'll dox you. No way. Ron Muser Jr., a Twin Cities personal injury attorney, said he represents 175 Minneapolis police officers who have left the force or are in the process of filing disability claims that would allow them to leave their jobs permanently, many citing PTSD from recent civil unrest. One officer said he's in the process of leaving the force after he suffered physical injuries, including cuts and burns during the days of unrest after Floyd's death. While inside the city's third precinct building, as it was overtaken by protesters and subsequently burned, he recorded video messages to his wife and children because he thought he thought he might not make it out alive. After that, I wasn't me anymore, said the officer who spoke on the condition of anonymity for fear of retribution. He said he has nightmares. He couldn't sleep. He had panic attacks. In training, he had been taught to listen to his body when arriving on scene, to pay attention when the hair stood on the back of his neck. Sitting in his squad car, he constantly felt physically sick and found himself unable to focus, second guessing every decision. He later was diagnosed with PTSD and is receiving treatment. I was paranoid. I was anxious. I was depressed. This made me into a person who wasn't good to be a cop. He's right. Good for him. I mean it. I I remember interviewing a detective in New York who said nothing more dangerous than a scared person holding a gun. Obviously, there are things more dangerous than that. I guess like a rabid pit bull with dragon wings that can fly. Okay, that's not a real thing. Fine. But uh, I don't know, a band of Antifa armed with rifles and murderous intent. There's there's more dangerous things. People like Michael Reinel. But it's true. You probably can't be a cop if you're shaking, scared and second guessing everything you do, because then you might actually kill someone in a panic. So he did the right thing. It's unfortunate that's the case. We need police. What better evidence? What a ridiculous and disgusting experiment they did on this city. Well, now we know. Congratulations. Who'd have thought? If you take the cops away, crime goes up. And here we are. Why would anyone ever want to come back to this city? Sounds like they destroyed the economy nearly on purpose. You know, it's funny. I mentioned this earlier. It seems like everything they've done has just been to destroy the economy, right? Locking things down, not arresting the rioters and the looters, and then defunding the police. All have the, the end result of economic destruction. And that's what's happening to this country. If Joe Biden becomes president, I think we're in for a, a lot of trouble. 
He's going, he's, he's not going to go as far as like outright defund the police stuff, but he's going to pander. He's going to enact ridiculous things. He's going to enact a Green New Deal framework. They call, they call Joe Biden, you know, racist or whatever. They say Kamala Harris is top cop, but come on, man. They're nothing compared to Trump. Trump wanted to bring in the military with the Insurrection Act. Joe Biden's going to sit back while they burn everything down. Joe Biden's going to push the lockdowns, destroy the economy. And they're already covering for him, saying it's not Joe Biden's fault. He's inheriting this awful pandemic economy. It's Trump's fault. There it is. Well, I'll tell you what. If anyone ever comes to you and says defund the police, you tell them to shut their mouths because we've already seen the results. I don't know if it'll be enough, though. Too many of the secret Trump supporters were scared to speak up straight up. If you don't speak up, it'll just get worse. If you don't challenge the system, it'll just get worse. Within reason, I know, you know, but uh, well, sorry for everybody in Minneapolis. I think it was it was fairly obvious this was going to be the case. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then.